Welcome to Victory Way Baptist Church. Good to see everybody out this morning. Um, pastors away moving Kevin in at, at school this morning, so uh, be in prayer for them. We have a guest speaker with us, and I've been I've been training for the last ten minutes on how to pronounce his name. I got Brandon right. It's Brandon Crozier. Is that right? Brandon Crozier. So uh, he is uh, one of the pastor students. I think in Bible college, he still attends Bible college. He's RU director at a church over in Christiansburg. So we're uh, excited to have him with us this morning. And he's talked all kinds of stuff and really built you up, but no pressure. I'm just kidding. Uh, But welcome. Good to have you this morning. Uh, Also, Joanne, we need to kind of be in prayer for her this morning. She had some some things going on, so she, uh, she had to go to the ER this morning. So we've had some change up in the music and we're a little bit out of sorts but hey God's in control and and we just come to to get something from the Lord and and to give him something back you know a lot of times all we 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 seek to to get 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 instead of give 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 and uh, that's a two-way street so what we'll do this morning we'll go to the Lord in prayer ask him to bless our service and then Ethan and uh, Olivia and Elena will come and 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 sing and and we'll get right into it let's pray Lord, we come to you this morning, God. We just want to thank you and praise you for uh, for who you are, Lord. We we know you're in control. Sometimes we don't understand. I pray, Lord, that we would just look to see what you have for us this morning, Lord. I pray that you would just uh, be with Brandon, Lord. Just fill him up. I pray that we would be supportive, and I pray that we would come with an expectation to get something from you. And, and Lord, as we sing, I pray that we would offer you uh, all of our praise and, and worship to you for who you are lord and we just uh, pray for the pastor as, as kevin gets moved in today and all the folks that are headed back to school and college and and even school here at home and just be with the teachers and administrators and everybody involved just i pray that we would uh, ask for discernment and wisdom pray for our church lord i just pray that we would uh, yield to you and what you would have for us god just pray uh, for miss joanne this morning with whatever's going on with her. Just bless our service. I pray that we would do everything for your honor and glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Excellent. Wonderful. Wonderful. So everyone go ahead and please stand as we jump into the worship service. Again, the worship service is is only for God. God blesses us so many times through it, but we want to praise God him for what he's done and this morning we're specifically singing about uh, his sacrifice his shedding of blood for the remission of our sins so let's sing there is power in the blood i think that might be the monitor too we'll get all the technical stuff worked out all right here we go would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood.
Is that better in the back? Maybe it's my mind. I don't know. But hey, it's okay. It's okay. Let's sing the chorus. Here we go. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Would you do service for Jesus, your King? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you live daily His praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There is power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. Amen. Isn't technology wonderful? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, hey, let's do Are You Washed in the Blood? Um, should we? We'll try, we can, we'll try with the piano again. Maybe it'll, it'll work out. No, I know. I know. I, know. I, I apologize. It's not you. And Miss Amanda, she does such an amazing job, and she plays nice and loud where we can all hear it, which is really great, especially uh, for these songs. It just sometimes goes through the wires and then decides to mess us up every now and again. Uh, so I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but that's okay. We'll just keep on going. Um, let's sing, Are You Washed in the Blood? Uh, and we're going to change the key to that in that one to A flat, A flat gentlemen. Y'all may not be able to hear the piano, but I can. It sounds great. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are you garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will your soul be ready for the mansion's bright and be washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood, in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. There's a fountain flowing for the soul unclean. Oh, be washed in the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood? 
in the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb. Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? And that's one of the great things is what He's promised us, that when we trust in Him, He will never leave us nor forsake us. His, his faithfulness uh, is beyond our understanding, and we can trust every single thing that uh, the Word of God has to say. Standing on the promises. Let's sing that. We may have to just go a cappella, or like these mics might even be the problem. We may just have to sing like this. We'll see what happens, but we'll keep on going. Standing on the promises. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises of Christ the Lord, bound to Him eternally by love's strong cord, overcoming daily with the Spirit's sword, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior, standing. on the promises of God. Amen. Thankful for those promises. Thankful for His Word. As we're standing, go ahead and wave and welcome those around you. It's good to see everybody here. It's good to see everyone. Even in these times, we can still be cordial to one another. It's crazy, crazy, crazy. All right, right now. And um, uh, we'll have the special sung and played by uh, Miss Amanda here. And uh, and if the piano still... Yes, please, have a seat. I apologize. <laughs> well, yes, the special will be played by Miss Amanda.
Thank you for that. Thank you. Right now we'll go ahead and have our word of prayer before singing our final song, before the preaching of the word. And, uh, and today, we're going to be asking God again that he would speak to us individually with wherever we may be at, uh, wherever we may be going on at work, in family, whatever the case may be, uh, that, that God would show you something through his word. And that's why we're here, is to hear from God, not, um, not to hear from uh, Brother Brandon. So we're praying that the Lord would indeed fill him and that he would speak through him. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for giving us another day to live. I thank you for another breath to breathe. I thank you that your compassions are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. No matter what we may be going through, you remain faithful. I pray that you would um, fill Brandon. I pray that you would give him um, exactly what to say. I thank you that your word is powerful, that we can stand on the promises that you have made. I pray that we would be attentive, that we would hear from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if everyone go ahead and stand for our final song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Um, and I love how the, the verse for it comes out of Lamentations uh, 3, and right in the middle of the book of weeping is these verses that say, hey, because of all this, um, that, that there is hope. It is of God's mercies that we are not consumed. His compassions uh, fail not. Great is thy faithfulness. Um, it's renewed every morning. So let's sing of God's great faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness.
This morning. It's so good to be here. A little loud, sorry. Um, but I'm thankful for the opportunity. Pastor Wells is a great encouragement. I know he's a great pastor for you. And I'm excited for what God has because if God's people want to change America, it starts in our churches today. If you want America to see a revival, it must start with you. You cannot go out and try to change our policies and politics until we change our churches. Are you glad for your Bible this morning? Do you have it? Praise the Lord for without this, we would be lost. And like I say back home, we would be lost in the sauce. In other words, would you grab your Bibles with us this morning? Daniel chapter number five, Daniel chapter number five. Daniel five. And when you find your place, if you're willing and able, would you please stand for the respect of the word of God? Daniel chapter five. We'll begin reading in verse number one, Daniel chapter five. And the Bible says in verse number one, Belshazzar, the king, made a great feast to a thousand of his lords and drank wine before the thousand. Belshazzar, whilst he tasted the wine, commanded to bring the golden and silver vessels which his father Nebuchadnezzar had taken out of the temple, which was in Jerusalem, that the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines might drink therein. Then they brought the golden vessels that were taken out of the temple of the house of God, which was at Jerusalem. And the king and his princes, his wives and his concubines, drank in them. They drank wine and praised the gods of gold and of silver, of brass, of iron, of wood, and of stone. In the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. Now would you turn to verse number 25. Verse 25 of the same chapter. 
And this was the writing that was written, Mene, Mene, Tekel Upharsin. This is the interpretation of the thing. Mene, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. Ferez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet and put a chain of gold about his neck and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. In that night was Belshazzar the king of the Chaldeans slain. And Darius the Midian took the kingdom, being about threescore and sixty-two years old. Let's pray together. Lord God, we love you and thank you for everything you're doing in our lives, Lord, and how you've always made an impact where we've needed it, God. We are needy people today, needing something from a very big God. And I'm asking today, Lord, that you take the word of God, that you use it to challenge our lives, but change us, Lord. I don't want to come in the same way I left. I want to be different. I want to be changed. I want to be more like Christ than when I entered this building. I pray, Lord, as we preach the word of God, it would be nothing that I have to say, Lord, nothing I have, but you would bring and magnify the name of Christ in here. Lord, we know it's not by power nor by strength, but by your spirit. Lord, we pray that you'd help us today. We love you in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you so much for standing. I have a story to share with you. Maybe some of you have heard it, and I'm excited for what the Lord has for us. Now, this lady's name is Diana Valencia. That sounds a little fancy, not, uh, not too good for Southwest Virginia people. But she was arrested in Texas on drug charges in September of 2008. There was little doubt regarding her guilt. Anyone that was caught with two kilos of powdered cocaine would have great difficulty explaining away their innocent mistake. However, she came up with a novel attempt of getting off. Here's how she would get out of trouble. She and her sister decided to bribe the judge who would be hearing her case to make sure she got off, maybe give him a little payment of some sort. The plan might have been worked or, or might have worked since the judge was willing to take the money, except the FBI gets involved. Don't you love it when the government gets involved? And it said agents from the FBI had been suspicious of this judge. His name is Manuel Barza. And they cut a deal with Valencia's sister to record her meetings with the judge. So they would meet, they would record it. The FBI was, it was a whole, whole scheme going on here. She taped a total of five conversations with the judge. And they, when they agreed for the price of getting her sister off. Barza was arrested and convicted and lost his judicial position because of his attempts to circumvent justice for profit. Many people think that they can enjoy sin and then find means of avoiding the consequences. As one old preacher said, the world and the churches today, they sow wild oats and then pray for crop failure. But no matter what devices we come up with, God is a sure and certain judge. And that includes you and that includes me today. We cannot bargain with or bribe him. His hatred of sin parallels his perfect holiness and he does not turn away from sin. It has once been said that sin is the unsheathed sword that is thrust straight into the heart of God. 
Now, Daniel chapter 5, it's not the famous chapters that you know in Daniel. It's not where he's in the lion's den praying away the lions. And, and man, we should be a man of prayer. And he's, it's not when they're not bowing down in Nebuchadnezzar and, and, and chapter number 3. But we come here to chapter number 5. Maybe you've never heard it, never read it, or never understood it. But understand, a man by the name of Belshazzar, as you read in verse number 1. He is the king of the providence of Babylon. He is Nebuchadnezzar's grandson. And he is in charge of the providence of Babylon. He is not the king of the entire nation. He is just over the providence of Babylon at this time. Now, he led a wicked kingdom. Now, this kingdom rejected God. They rejected the laws of God, and they were living in continuous sin. He led a kingdom that was so proud and that they were so worldly that God would judge them. You must understand that you, uh, America today believes and has the idea because God is silent and nothing bad is happening to you or to me that God does not care about our sin. God always cares about an individual's sinful life. Now, he has a dinner party, right? He's, he's a leader. He's a king. He, he might even be good looking. Some of y'all ladies, if you're single, Belshazzar, he might, might hook y'all up. But he, he, he's a famous man. And he has a thousand of his most famous friends. They come together. A thousand. Could you imagine a party with a thousand people? I don't even want to have five people in my house, but a thousand people coming in. I couldn't imagine. You know what they do? They like to party it up. And you know what people like to have at parties? Alcohol. That's what people have. And this is just a little rabbit trail. God's people, you need to know where you stand biblically on the subject of alcohol. And we're going to stop right there with that. And when it comes down to this Belshazzar, he's, he's with his people. He's, he's having a party. But the problem is he's partying while there is an entire army outside of his gates. He's having a party while the Medo-Persian army is outside of his gates getting ready to kill him, but he's having a party. See, see the problem is he's, he's living in the, in the shade, drinking the nice cold pink lemonade, but the problem is he's about to be destroyed. See, we have a lot of Christians today who are living the good life in sin, but you have no idea you're about to be destroyed. And Belshazzar, what he wants to do, he says, you know what I want to do? I want to get the vessels. I want to get those nice cups. And here recently, I bought a house, and praise the Lord for it. And you know what I've been buying for my house? Really ugly and really corny mugs. All right, I like, I go to Target or Walmart and I buy cheap, ugly, I went to Goodwill and bought mugs. And I like ugly collector's mugs. I went to the Disney store and bought a, a mug with a big old dog on it and all kinds of characters. I, I like collecting mugs. But what he wanted to do is he, he brought in these vessels to drink out of. He said, we need something special for this party. So you know what he does? He calls, he says, I need the vessels that my granddaddy took out of the temple of Jerusalem when the Israelites were taken. I want God's vessels. I want to drink from those. Those seem nice. But what he did was he took what God gave to the Israelites and he took it and he ruined them with what God had given them. And they drank. They drank a thousand people with the vessels that God has given them and they drank and they enjoyed themselves for a while, for a season, in other words. During the dinner party, he commanded this to come. You know what happened was? In the same hour, the Bible says, a hand appeared. Could you imagine just a floating hand coming around or, or making some kind of crazy things? I don't know what, just a floating hand. What, what comes is, though, a hand appears in this dinner party and everyone is struck. They, I mean, they are just, their breath is taken away because there is a hand over against a wall where a candlestick was. And this hand appears 
And you know what happens? It writes four words. And we read those words. They were the ones that sounded like Spanish class for some of y'all who took Spanish in high school. But that's what it was, the four words. And you know what appeared? It was the hand of God that appeared on that wall. And you know what wrote on that wall? It was a finger. It was the exact same finger that wrote the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets. was the exact finger that wrote on the wall. And the hand was sent and was straightly from God. What happened was, like any of us, how many of you ever get nervous or a little anxious? Sometimes when I go to preach somewhere, my hand will just tremble like that. It'll shake a little bit. You've been there. You've done that. Or And before basketball games in high school, I would shake and do all kinds of things. And what happens is he sees this. He doesn't know what it means. But if I see a hand on the wall, I'm going to be shaking a little scared too because a hand just poofed up out of nowhere. It's rotting something random on the wall, and I'm scared to death. And Belshazzar, the Bible says his knees are literally shaking. They are jerking because he is scared to death. What you realize is men who are often the strongest fall the hardest when it comes to their sinful lives. So he brings in Chaldeans. He brings in the the smart people of the land. And they look. They can't read it. They don't understand it. They can't interpret. What does this writing on the wall mean? But you know what? An 85 estimated year old Daniel... This is, this is 60 some years since he came into Babylon. An old man, Daniel, walks in. He has a reputation for having an excellent spirit, for walking with the Lord, for, for standing with God. Did you know your reputation with God can help impact the lost world? And it did. Belshazzar had never met Daniel before in his entire life, never even heard of him. But Belshazzar brings in Daniel and Daniel interprets them. He interprets the writing on the wall, so to speak. And as he enters, he tells them the interpretation. He says this basically. He says, you have lifted up yourself against God. You have been prideful against the Lord. And the finger of God has came against you. Here's what the writing said. If you didn't know what those little words mean, they actually do have deep theological meaning on God's judgment against sin. The finger of God told Belshazzar that his kingdom was numbered and it was finished. The finger of God told Belshazzar that he had been judged and was found guilty. The finger of God told Belshazzar that the kingdom was broken and would be destroyed. We notice here the writing on the wall. Now, before we get to the main part, because the writing on the wall has application for you and for me today. But here's why God will send the writing on the wall in your life. Maybe God is writing something on your wall now. If God brings something to memory, it might be something you need to get settled and fixed. The writing on your wall in today's day and age would have to do with your heart, your mind, your soul, and your uh, emotion, and things of that nature. If God brings it to remembrance, it may be time to get it settled. But there are three reasons why God brought this finger of judgment against Belshazzar. Number one, indulgences. If you're taking notes, indulgences. You know what happened? When it came to the actions of the citizens of Babylon, they were full of indulgences. You know what that means? It is the act of giving to your own desires. If you want to know what indulgence is, you can take a look at corporate America and realize if they want to do it, they're going to do it, and they don't care who tells them not to. And that's for corporate America, but I'm sad to say it's the exact same way with Christians and churches today is we are living as if we want to, we are doing whatever we please, and we're living a lifestyle that is unpleasing to the Lord. Here's what they were doing. This indulgences, they were given to alcohol. They were overeating. 
They were living the pleasures of this life. Notice that someone who is only aimed to please themselves will serve a God that will allow it. The number one reason people don't like Jesus is because Jesus Christ stood against sin. All other corporate gods will agree and will let you live a lifestyle of a little wishy-washy kind of actions. But when God changes you and Christ comes into you, He wants a new life for you. He doesn't want you to live like you used to. He doesn't want you to walk in the old past you did. When Christ saved your soul and made you whole, He wants a new life for you. And He doesn't want you to live any other kind of way. The gods of Babylon allowed such actions. See, when you worship something fake, you can make up your own rules with it. So they're worshiping these gods. They can live their sinful lives. If you're modern America today, here's the indulgences. They, they were living a lifestyle that was wicked and against God. They were taking in and doing everything they wanted. See, I'm a pizza lover. And if you've ever met me, I got a pizza keychain. Here recently on Facebook, I got a pizza cutter with my name on it as a housewarming gift. Praise the Lord for it. And you know, I used to be 260 pounds. And I used to be given to indulgences of pizza buffets. Mm. Mm. Get me with a pizza buffet. Praise the Lord. I get in trouble. And I was given to indulgences. I couldn't stop. I, you can't stop at one piece, let's be real. And God's people said, amen. You, I mean, two, you're like, all right, you get to four. I used to eat an entire Little Caesars pizza by myself in one sitting, commonly. Unbelie- and, and, and it was really sinful. I'm not saying that to justify. I, I'm saying it was sinful. I was living a sinful life of indulgences. But in America today, if you want to know what adult indulgences look like, here's what it looks like. If you are given to indulgences, you're living a life of sexual impurity. Did you know 97% of all individuals in the United States of America have sex before marriage? 97 out of every 100 people. Three people out of 100 are virgins on their wedding day. You're given to indulgences when you're living a life of adultery. One out of four men, men have cheated on their wives, 25%. If you're living a life of overeating, 71.6% of Americans are overweight in today's culture. 71 out of every 100. If you're living a life of idolatry, 71% of Christians are actively involved in some form of idolatry. But it may not be serving an idol. It may be when you have your phone out posting pictures on Instagram, Snapchat, or Facebook, giving you all the glory. That's the biggest idol today, is you. It could be you're living a life of drug use. 19.7 million people are on drugs today. It could be a life that you're you're using tobacco or alcohol. 13.7% of people smoke. 70% of Americans drink alcohol. That is a life of indulgences. At any point, you are giving up what God wants and you choose what you want. You are living a life of indulgences that will eventually come to an end. You are now giving into an indulgence in this present world if you skip church. If you neglect Bible reading for TV. If you reject time of prayer for Facebook or social media. If you're living life in this flesh, these are all indulgences of your flesh. And I recently have talked to men. Men, we have to stand up for the Word of God and stand strong. But I told them, I know what this old wicked flesh wants to do. And I know when it is craving or desiring something it ought not to. And if you're saved and the Holy Spirit lives in you, you know when it does too. And we have to live a life that is clean and pure and holy before God. Let me tell you this, these indulgences, I don't need alcohol to be happy. 
I don't need to smoke marijuana to have joy. I do not need a drug or a toke or a bong or whatever you call it to have joy. I'm telling you, when Christ came in and it dwelt me, I'm happier now than I've ever been. When I used to live in this world, I was gone and sad and depressed. But when Christ came in, He made a difference in me. And I don't need any of these indulgences to have peace and joy and gladness. I can have a party without the wicked stuff. I can be happy without the sinful pleasures of this world. So they were given to indulgences, but not only that, they were given to indifference. Well, what in the world is that? You want to know what the, the church's biggest problem today is? Indifference. The word indifference means this, lack of interest, lack of concern, or lack of sympathy. Belshazzar was full of indifference. You know why? He threw a party with a thousand of his best buddies. They are probably having a good worldly time. And outside of his 30-foot-tall walls was an entire army ready to pounce and destroy him. Now, get this. That army didn't end up destroying him. He destroyed himself with the indifference that he had. See, how can you throw a party as a king when there's an army literally at your walls looking up at you, ready to kill you and your people? He had no concern, no sympathy, and no care for what was about to happen. He had no concern for the safety of his people. He had no concern for what may, may take place. He did not care. He did not engage. Christian, we are living in a day and age where Christians do not care about anything. When people bring up the topic of abortion, eh. When they bring up the topic of homosexuality, eh. When we bring up the topic of alcohol or lustly desires, eh. They're kind of wishy-washy. We don't really stand. I'm telling you, pick a side and fight for it. And I'm telling you, I'm going to pick Christ overall. And when it comes to this, and I don't know, this is, I didn't write this in here, but when it comes to election time, you need not to vote for Democratic policy or Republican policy. You vote for Bible policy. And where the Bible stands, you stand. The blue side isn't perfect. The red side isn't perfect. But my Savior, Jesus Christ, is. And I'm going to vote biblical before I vote these party lines. And I challenge you to do the same. You know what he did? He, he blatantly took the vessels out of the house of God, as we talked about earlier. He basically had a whatever attitude. Eh, whatever. It's cool. You know, there's an army outside. I'm about to be blown to pieces. If it was modern day, they're probably got RPGs. Whatever. I don't care. They're about to blow us up. The mindset of Christians today, here's what it looks like. If you want to know if indifference is in your life, here it is. I know what God says, but I really don't care. That's a Christian that lives indifference. I know that God stands against abortion, but I'll vote for policies that agree with it. I know God stands against all these different sins and indulgences, pride, gossip, lying, all of these things, but I'll still be given to them. See, you have to understand, if you're going to stand with God like you say you do, you must actually stand with Him when the times do, in fact, get tough. You know what indifference in the Christian life looks like? Here's what it looks like practically. I like giving practical stuff and, and stats and things like that. When you refuse to read your Bible, you know it's right, you just won't do it. We don't care about lost souls. You know that the, you know how God wants to save sinners today? You know how He does it? He uses people like you and me to reach lost souls. But when we're indifferent to people dying and go to hell, we won't tell a single person about Christ at all throughout our week. We are indifferent when we aren't caring about our beliefs. Do you know what you truly believe? Because if you do not know what you truly believe, how do you know what you're doing truly pleases God? 
How do you know? Because your pastor tells you? Because your Sunday school teacher leads you in that fashion? Find out what you believe by the Word of God and it only to find out how to please the Lord. You're indifferent when you sin and you really don't care if God even sees it. See, I know, I know Christians who have said this to me. I know it is wrong, but I will do it anyways. That is indifference. And that is a dangerous statement. I know God sees it. I know it is wrong, but I will do it regardless. Someone asked this, is indifference a sin? Well, only if you take seriously the weight of God's instructions to be kind, to be tender-hearted, to love one another, to listen and bear each other's burdens, to speak the truth in love, to confess our sins, to forgive as we've been forgiven, to welcome the stranger, to share the bread with the hungry, to love mercifully and walk humbly before God. See, if these things don't matter to you, then indifference doesn't matter because you're just going to live any kind of way you please. It's a whatever, whatever. I can go to this church. I can go to this church. As long as there's a preacher, as long as there's a singer, eh, whatever. You must realize why you come to a Baptist church, why you believe this old black book, why do you stand on the Word of God as our ultimate authority, and why, why don't you listen to a pope, or why don't you listen to a priest, and why don't you confess your sins, because you know why? Because Christ is all I need for all of those areas in our life. But the third thing, the third characteristic, is he had ir- irreverence. Irreverence. You know what this means? It's a lack of respect for something that's usually taken seriously. You know what I've noticed today? Kids my age, I'm 21 years old. If you were curious, I got a, I, I, sometimes I look older and I look younger. It depends on which day I shave, whether I gain 10 years or not. But it's a lack of respect for something that's usually taken for real or serious. You know what I've learned today with my culture and college age kids, 20, 21, 22, is I will watch them on social media take this book Rip it and burn it. You did that a hundred years, you'd be an outcast. You'd be shamed. You'd be, you'd be broken to the core. You, you'd be outcasted by the Christian church. Uh, there's a lot of areas in our life we do not take seriously anymore. And the number one area that God's people will not take serious is this area of sin. See, Belshazzar had irreverence. You know why? He took God's vessels, he sinned with them, and he did not care at all. To drink these from these vessels was a terrible sin before the eyes of God. Belshazzar did not take seriously the things of God. Do you know how this looks? Here, here's what happens. Do you want to know if you respect what God has to say? Here's how you know in these areas of life. You must respect that God says sex is wrong before marriage. You've got to respect that. You have to respect that God says to stay away from all evil and the appearance of it. We must respect that God says homosexuality is wrong. But hear me clearly, uh, with that in mind, that does not give a Christian a permission to be a jerk to anyone, even if they are homosexual. That does not give you permission to be a jerk. Truth in love. The Bible says in Psalms that the sinner will be turned back by two things. Mercy, not getting what they deserve, and truth. It takes mercy and truth to reach these individuals. It does not give us an excuse to ever... Be a jerk to the LBGTQ community or, or the different letters. I don't know the full acronym. We must respect that God says transgenderism is truly immoral. We must respect that gossiping really is a sin and lying really is that bad. See, you know how I know God hates sin? It's because this. 
He sends His most prized possession, His most beloved Son, to die not for your goodness... He died for the worst part of you. See, God knows the worst about you, but loves you the most. And that's the difference between the Savior and between us. See, some of you I just met, and my family's here as well, I only know the best of you. I know some of y'all dress nice and brush your teeth and brush your hair. Hopefully y'all put on deodorant. I haven't found out yet, and I don't want to. But hopefully I only see your best. And to be honest with you, I probably wouldn't die for y'all's best. But Christ didn't die for your best either. He died for your worst. You know that sin? I, I, I've sinned in my life. What about you? I'm guilty. He died for my worst. You know how that hurts me to know I hurt Him because of my sin? You know how that hurts me? Because of my actions that hurt Him. Shame on us. See, God just wants a relationship with us, but shame on us, we won't have one. Our sin separates us, as the book of Isaiah says, from God. Our sin separates us. Not, not that you walk away or you're driving your brand new Ford truck here in Hillsville going down the street. Your sin separates you from God. Did you know our God is still alive? Amen, right? Our God is still involved. Our God is still real. Then why do we live like He is not? You know how we live like God isn't real? We have irreverence. For what he does. These three areas is why God sent the hand. Indulgences. Indifference. Irreverence. If you have three, these three areas in your life, I promise you, your pleasure of sin you're living in will cease. And when it ceases, it is not pretty. See, sin always gets ugly. You must realize, it always turns ugly. You need to realize sin is like a cancer that will come in one part of your body and it will spread until it has consumed the whole. And sin will consume you to the point you will be destroyed. It is a matter of time. Now, these fingers on the, and the hand came out of total darkness. Boom, they appear. They came to a lighted area, and I don't know why I keep going over here, I just imagined the hand on that wall. And they came to a lighted area on a wall near a lamp. Okay, can you picture? It's on that wall, there's the lamp, there's the little pulpit. Let's imagine that lamp's turned on, alright? It comes over there. This is where the statement, how many of you ever heard, that's the writing on the wall? It's a, it's a catchphrase. This is where it comes from in your Bible. Well, that's just the writing on the wall, or... Have you noticed the writing on the wall or catchphrases? That's where this comes from, is the writing on the wall. What that means is it's there, it's clear to see, It's you, there's nothing hindering it. Look at the writing on the wall. There it is. It's cl plain to see. And I'm telling you, when it comes to our sin and our Savior, God makes it plain to see what we need to fix. But we tend not to fix it. The finger of God had written the Ten Commandments to Moses, and now He's written or written, sorry, my Southwest Virginia is coming out on me. He has wrote, or written, another phrase against a man. This finger of God was not sent in love. It was not sent in a, I heart you, like some of you husband and wives do to each other. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a little emoji written on the wall. It was a written, it was a message written of divine judgment. It wasn't a peaceful thing. It, it wasn't something pretty or some kind of little Mo, Mona Lisa that you put on the wall in your house. Or I just bought a house and, and it's so difficult to, to decor stuff and putting a picture here. Why can't it go here? It's got to go here and it's got to match this wallpaper. It's, it's all kinds of crazy stuff I don't want to be involved in. Just throw the picture in the trash then. We're, we're just going to get rid of it then. 
But in other words, God's hand came and wrote divine judgment. Christian, when we live in those three areas of indulgence, inerrance, or, or, or irrelevance, or, or indifference with the Word of God, when we live in those areas, you must realize that God will get a hold of you. This is to the saved Christian, okay? This isn't to the unsaved. This is to the saved. God will get a hold of you. You know, chastisement is biblical. Alright? It is biblical. A sin unto death is to the Christian. It is biblical. You can sin to a point that God says you are worth more dead than alive. There is a sin unto death biblically. And when we refuse to repent or do a 180, all right, when we refuse to change from what we just shared or what Belshazzar was showed, God says there are three areas that's going to happen in your life. The three judgments that he gave Belshazzar on the wall are the same three that we can bring application to ourselves today. If we refuse to repent, here's what God's writing on your wall means. Let's turn, let's turn to verse number 26. The first word, mene. This means that God has numbered thy kingdom and finished it. In other words, if you wanted to write out next to that word, it means this. You have a limited time. Your time is limited. When it says in this Bible verse that it is finished, that biblical word finished means it is brought to an end. Your time is limited. Mene means that God has taken account and will bring it to an end. The writing on the wall told Belshazzar that he had but a limited time to live this lifestyle. Christian, if you will live the lifestyle of indulgence, indifference, and irreverence, be assured that your time is limited. You do not have unlimited time to live this lifestyle. You do not have 10, 20, 30 years. God may strike you down today if you will reject what He says. We know that 1 John tells us that there is a sin unto death. We know that Proverbs and Psalms tells us that the wicked will not triumph and they will not last long. We know that sin is pleasurable for how long? A season. It's biblical that if you live this lifestyle, it is a limited time. So God's first word upon His judgment is that Belshazzar, you have limited time. And to the Christian who is backslidden or rebellious against God, your time is in fact limited to live this lifestyle that you have. And this is impossibly used to unsaved people that your time is limited as well to come to Christ before you leave this earth. And we get here and we come down to this limited time. And, and I have a question. You know what scares me to death? I, I, I'm pretty scared of dying. All right, I won't lie to you. I know I'm saved. I'm born again. I'm so excited to go to heaven though. But I am scared about death. And what I've realized in my young age, I like to say I'm young now, but I'm getting a little older. But what I've realized is that life goes by really quick. How many of you can remember like it was yesterday when you graduated school? Right? I graduated three years ago, something like that. And I remember, I can't believe it's already been three years. How many of you remember when you graduated college or you got married or had your first kid or all these memories, these milestones that you go through? I've realized, and I thank the Lord for it, that they go by so quick. How many of you know that your life does in fact go by quickly? Why would you want to waste it? Why would you want to limit it by living a sinful life? 
When you could have so much more. See, see, we, we preach in churches all the time that if you accept Christ, you will only get out of hell. I'm telling you, when you accept Christ, He truly gives you life. He gives you life and more abundantly. I'm not preaching some kind of Joel Olsen kind of gospel or some little healing kind of prayer method. I'm telling you though, when you are with Christ, you truly have life. And it is good. If you've ever lived it for an amount of time, it is good. It is so good to walk with Christ. One thing I've learned is if you won't deal with your sin, you're going to make God have to. I would much rather me take care of it before God has to, because I know when God takes care of it, it's going to leave a mark. It's going to leave an imprint. When you knew when Mama gave you a spanking, you weren't too worried. But if she said, wait till Daddy gets home, you knew that something bad was about to happen. If you won't deal with your indulgences, God will. How many people you know have lost a spouse because of their fleshly desire, immorality, fornication, uh, idolatry, adultery, whatever it may be. I know many people like that. You know the divorce rate in our churches today is almost over 50% of Christians are getting divorced. What a shame. If you've been married a length of time, praise God for it. Because it's a good thing. I don't know if I will meet very many people when I'm 70 or 80 who have said they've been married 50 years. I don't know it. Because the divorce rates are climbing up as they go. I don't know. I hope I can have a testimony of that. If you won't deal with your indifference, God will. If you won't deal with your irreverence, God will. Psalm 50.21 says this. And I love this verse. It says, God is speaking. Okay, He says, These things hast thou done, and I kept silence. Thou thought I was altogether as such a one as thyself, but I will reprove thee and set thee in order. What God is saying here is, I've seen what you've done and I've been silent. All right, I haven't said nothing, I haven't moved, I haven't done anything. And because of that, you think I'm okay with what you're doing. And just because God has not brought down your life or your foundations have not been shaken or your sin is not destroyed does not mean God is okay. People mistake God's silence for His acceptance. They are not the same. God's silence does not mean He isn't watching and that's encouragement to the Christian, and that should scare the Christian as well. I'm telling you, when God is silent in my life and I need something, He's still there. When I'm living in sin and I think God is silent, He's still there. So both sides of the coin, is that blessing for you or is that judgment for you? The writing on the wall tells us we have a limited time. Number two, let's look at verse number 27. We see the word tekel or tekel, or in southwest Virginia, tekel, however y'all want to say it. It says, Thou art weighed in the balances and art found wanting. The finger of God came down and judged. Tekel means you've been judged and you've been found guilty. That word wanting means guilty, lacking, not good enough. A mighty army and brilliant tactics overcame the Babylonian Empire. Yet it still fell from within. If you want to know, the Bible says in the book of Psalms, in 119, that the enemy is actually waiting for you to destroy yourself. It's not that the world is destroying you. That's not the problem. You are destroying yourself by our actions and not caring about what God has to say. The army didn't destroy Babylon. They destroyed themselves. 
The world isn't destroying you. You are destroying yourself. You know God still has standards for the Christian today. And all God's people said, Amen. Y'all didn't get that. God has standards for how the Christian ought to live today. Did you? I See, I, I think I preach kind of like my forefathers, like the old grandpas of the day. I still believe there are dress standards for both women and men. I still believe sex before marriage is still wrong. I still stand that marriage, biblical marriage, is a man and a woman that was created and instituted by God. It is not a worldly thing. It is a Christian thing. Marriage is a Christian. It is ours. It is not the world's to have. I still believe that this old black book is perfect. It's infallible. It's inerrant. It's piercing, powerful, puncturing. It'll change your life if you will give yourself to it. I still believe these things. You know, going to church is still right. I've heard that quite a bit. I've heard this statement. I read my Bible for myself. I don't need to go to church. Well, you know what that tells me? You don't read your Bible. Because the Bible says, forsake not the assembly of ourselves together. Don't leave the congregation of the church. The Bible literally tells us to come to church. So you're here this morning. Praise the Lord for it. But I'm tired of hearing older people, younger people saying, I ain't got to go to church. I ain't got to do this. I ain't got to do that. I'm telling you, church is still good because you know what happens when a Christian leaves the flock or a sheep leaves the shepherd? It's, you wonder why Christians get depressed when they leave church? Because they've lost everything that is supposed to help them. We are a family. I'm not a part of your family. I'm a part of God's family. But this is your church. These are your people. This is your family. You are friends and family. You're supposed to help each other. I'm sorry if y'all just leave here at 1130, 12 o'clock and you don't see each other for a week. But y'all are supposed to be family. You're supposed to fight this world and fight this devil and live together like Christ wants you to live. I still believe speaking right is right. I think it's good when a man doesn't cuss. I think that's wrong. I'm still against divorce. There's a lot of men of God who says that is okay. I'm against divorce biblically. I stand against it. God is judging Christians based on their actions, and you will be accountable for your actions. Now, your actions do not send you to hell anymore. You are not saved by works. Okay, once you are saved, you are foundationally set in the hand of God. But hear me clearly. When you die, Christian, your actions will be judged in heaven. You are not judged based on your salvation and your rejection of Christ. You are actually judged based on what you did with Christ. And you know what I want to hear? How many of you ever seen The Lion King? I love that movie. Praise God. I love The Lion King. I watched it again. That's my favorite Disney movie. And if y'all think other Disney movies are the favorite, y'all wrong. Get right with God. I'm just kidding. But when Simba, y'all know Simba, the big lion, you know, he's older now. And he's with the monkey, you know, doing all kinds of crazy with a stick and dancing and stuff. And he comes up, and Simba starts running after the monkey. And then all of a sudden, his dad comes in the sky. You remember? I mean, it's some kind of ghost of Simba's dad comes in the sky. And he sounds like this, Simba, Simba, and all kinds of stuff. And, and later on in the movie, when Simba takes back the kingdom, he takes the kingdom, and he wins, victorious. The father comes from and says, Simba. And he basically says, I'm proud of you. You know what I want to hear? I want Jesus to walk up to me when I die and hug me. I want to, I can't wait to hug Jesus. Can you wait? I can't, it's going to be warm. It's gonna, he's going to smell good too. He's going to have deodorant. I'm just, I'm just joking. And I'm going to hug him. I just want him to say, Brandon, man, you did a good job. I sure am proud of you. I want to make my daddy proud. 
But you know what? I'm afraid many of us, many of you, many of even myself may not ever hear that. I do not want to live an entire, my entire eternity regretting what I didn't do now. I don't want to live that. I want God to say, hey, you did good. And I want to hear that for eternity. Not that I want the praise or the glory. I want God to have it. And I want His hand of approval upon my life. So you see, this is called a liable test. Liable means you are accountable for your actions or you are responsible for your actions. So we see you have a limited time. You have a liable test. But get this. What is God laying on your heart right now that is between you and God? And there's something that needs to get fixed. I got stuff I got to get fixed. And hopefully you do too. Because we're all... Who's perfect in here? Please raise your hand and stand. We're not. Some of us are growing. Some of us are more mature spiritually than others. But there's always something. If God's laying it on your heart, there's a reason for that. If He's bringing it to your thoughts, there's a reason for it. Don't leave here just pushing it out of your mind and your heart. What is, what is the sin in your life that's causing you to be hindered? But get this. When God had judgment, right? You remember the law? Over 600 laws that God's people had to follow. I'm thankful that when I couldn't pass the test, Jesus passed it for me. I'm thankful when I couldn't cash the check, Jesus wrote it for me. I'm thankful when I could not die to sanctify and separate myself from my sin, that Christ did it all for me. And this test is passed. You only pass this test by Christ. But hear me clearly, once you're with Christ, you are still judged by God based on your actions. This does not, hear me clear, because I don't want, don't take me wrong. This does not determine your salvation. This does determine blessings in your life. This does determine your rewards in heaven. This does determine your, your peace. Uh, How many, if you have trouble sleeping at night, you might want to check up of you and God, because the Bible says God giveth his beloved sleep. If you're anxious, you might need to check up on your prayer life. If you're full of pride, here's how you know if you're full of pride. How much do you pray? The less you pray, the more pride you have. And the more pride you have, the less you pray. How much do you pray with God? The writing on the wall tells us we have failed a libel test. There's judgment coming. You want to know why Christians are so hurt and broken? I, I hope, I, I don't know, but I hope that when COVID's over, there's a big choir up here. And you know what? I, I'm our song leader at our church and our choir director. You know what I like to see on choir? A big old cheesy grin when they're singing. But what I see in my choir, and maybe it's even yours, I don't know, is, let's talk about Jesus. You know, and, and that's the truth. And as a song leader, I, I stand up here and we'll lead with my piano and, and we'll do all of this as a congregation. And what I see in my Christians and people's hearts on the pews is they sing, but there's no rejoicing, there's no joy. It's because you cannot expect to worship God one day out of the week and feel okay about it. God's worship is 100% of the time. Hear me clearly. The church is instituted for you to come in here already clean, not to come to be cleaned up. When you come to worship God, worshiping God does not mean you're getting cleaned up. It means you're clean and you're coming to present yourself a living sacrifice to the Lord. But lastly, and then we'll be done, because I know y'all tired of hearing me and my Christiansburgy accent and things like that, but I'm having a good time, and I'm thankful for what the Lord's done. If you're going to live in indulgences, in, in, in irreverence to God, and, and all of these areas, if you're going to live like Belshazzar, there's one last thing. Let's look at verse number 28. Perez, 
Or, or in some of y'all who like Greek and maybe the Septuagint and studying, it's actually pronounced Phares with an, kind of like an H, Phares. It kind of sounds crazy. It says, Thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. The writing on the wall, here's what it says that God has written. You have a limited time. You have failed a liable test. But the writing on the wall also says you're going to have a lost treasure. God's last judgment on Belshazzar was Perez, meaning, here's what, it, here's what that word means, and if you're writing it down, here's what it is. Everything you've worked so hard for will be taken and given to someone else. Everything you've accomplished will be thrown in the trash. All the riches Belshazzar had, sin took it away. All the family Belshazzar had, sin took it away. All the fame he had, sin took it. All the glory, sin took it. When we live our lives to indulgences, indifference, and irreverence, notice that God will take away our treasures. I'm telling you, listen, I got stories to tell you of what God has done in my life. When you serve God faithfully, I promise you, if you want to know stories, I will tell you after of the things that God has done in my life. And I promise you, if you live right with God, they will be blessings you never thought. I've learned this. When you are a person of prayer, a lot of coincidences seem to happen. You ever notice that? Coincidence. I, you know I say that with, with air quotes. But coincidences happen. But they don't. Prayer is a game changer. It's, it's when I was in, the, in basketball, it was, it was the, the thing. It was the guy, right? Praying is it. It'll change everything for you. I've met a lot of people. Think about the most wicked person you know. Think about them. I know people that sin has taken away their job. I've met people that sin, sin will take your money. It'll take it. You will be, sin will leave you poor. Sin might also make you rich too. Sin will take your spouse. Sin will ruin families. Sin will break hearts. And sin will destroy, hear me clearly, older people, Sin will destroy years of accomplishment that you've done for God. It's all a lost treasure because if you choose to live this way, your life means zilch. If you're going to live this lifestyle, you will die and go to heaven. Praise the Lord. But do not use Jesus as only a get-out-of-hell-free card. Do not use Him only as that. I want my, how many of you want your life to make a difference? I want my life to make a difference. I don't want to just float through, have a job, eat a bunch of pizza and die. I want my life to mean something. You know what I, the, the Lord's allowed me to see? He allowed me to preach one time in Africa. When I was 18, I preached in a male prison in Uganda. I got to preach out of Matthew 14 when Peter walks on water. And for some reason, I like that story a lot. And I preached to these prisoners. And you know what? 73 people got saved in that jail that day. In Africa, in Ugandan jail, where they're treated like animals, they're, they're destroyed and rampaged, they're treated bad, but 73 men. But you know what? what? What scares me to death is that my sin, if I would have chosen it, could be the reason those 73 men were never led to the Lord. How many of you know Jonah? I know Jonah. And you know he fought with God about going, and we know the story of the great fish, the whale, and you know he was in the whale for three days and three nights? And then he went to Nineveh and the whole city was saved. Glory, right? You know what I think about though? How many people died and went to hell those three days he was running from God when he was supposed to already be there? 
Your sin doesn't just hurt you. It hurts your family, your friends. And you know, sin will hurt the people God has prepared for you to help in the future. Sin will destroy your life. And we feel like God is just, oh, he, he won't let us have fun. He's just some old man, won't let me do this and that. God literally is protecting you from hurt. Sin, if anyone has lived in sin amount of time, you realize it ain't as good on that side as you think it is. Young people, if you were raised in a Christian home and you haven't done some of the things that the world has, don't think that you need to go try it or do a little taste test. God said it is good, and that means it is good. You don't need to test drive. You don't need to test drive marriage, all right? You don't need to test drive it before you get married. You don't need to live together. You don't need to shack up, in other words. You don't need to do these things. You, you don't need to try a cigarette to know it ain't good. You don't need to drink alcohol to know it's bad and intoxicating. And it's a strong drink is, a, is raging and all kinds of things of that nature I don't want to get into because we'll start a whole war in here. But what I am telling you is this. Sin will destroy your life. Christian, I challenge you never get to the point in your life where God has to write on your wall. He shouldn't have to do this. He should never have to write on Belshazzar's wall. Never. But if you live this way, God cares about you enough to not let you live like that anymore. As we begin the time of reflection on God's Word and the invitation to make changes, I challenge you to ask God, would you pray this prayer as we begin invitation? With the piano player, would you come? Um, I want you to pray this prayer, not because it means something special. Or, I want you to ask God this. God, what are you writing on my wall? God, what do I need to get right between us? And God, what needs to change? If God lays something on your heart, bring it to the Lord and get it settled. Because sin will reign your life. Now get this, if sin reigns in your life, your time is limited. The test of liability is coming. Your treasure will be lost. Get it settled today. The writing on the wall is always specifically to you. Let's bow our heads in prayer for this time of invitation. The Lord's laying a sin on your heart or something that's separating you. That He's writing on your wall. Why don't you get that settled? I'm, you don't even have to come up. But say from this point, it's over. I'm done with it. We're not going back. And ask God to help you stay away from it. Stay clear of it. Because you've seen the proof in the pudding of what comes from a sinful life. If the Lord's laying it on your heart, on your wall, would you change it today? And your life will be better for it. Christians, we do need to be in the continual cycle of, of confessing and repenting. And the beautiful thing is we can't do that on our own. There's no way that we can, we can do that just in and of ourselves, but in Christ, that is possible. He's the one who even gives us power to say no to all of these things. So even as you go throughout today and the rest of the week, uh, as you think about different things, as I think about different things in my life, 
let us be willing to give that to Christ and whatever that may be. I think we've got a few announcements and then we'll close with a song. Thank you for that, Brandon. That was that was good. Speaking the truth in love. I'm not going to ask if you enjoyed that. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That was convicting. Indulgence, indifference, irreverence. You know, when I played baseball, if you were hitting 333, you're going to the Hall of Fame. One out of three is not very good on this one. But uh, but anyway, a couple of announcements before we uh, before we get into our last song and and uh, and head out. Uh, this Tuesday night, Tuesday night Bible study, 6.30. The pastor will be uh, starting a new study, Biblical Principles for Finances. 6.30 on Tuesday night, next Sunday morning. Now, what did I say? When? Next Sunday morning, 9.30. Next Sunday morning, 9.30. Joint Sunday school in here. Next Sunday morning, starting next Sunday morning, 9.30, with Pastor Mike, Joint Sunday School. Uh, you can see the pray, uh, Ladies' Prayer Advance, September 24th through 26th, and then we got some stuff coming up in October. But uh, honestly, how many of you enjoyed that uh, with Brandon? He'll be back with us. He'll be back with us uh, this evening, so come on back out and uh, support him there, and we'll see if he needs to shave between now and then. How's that? Uh, we appreciate it. All right, let's everyone go ahead and please stand. Christ, and we have the victory. Let's go ahead and sing Victory in Jesus as our closing song. I heard an old, old story How a Savior came from glory How He gave His life on Calvary To save a wretch like me dismissed.